We started this podcast as a simple commitment between Casper and me. Once a week, we would sit in a room and treat Harry Potter as sacred, even if no one showed up. Now, we have 70,000 listeners we never could have imagined. We also now have Maggie, who makes sure that all of our local groups feel supported. We have Megan, who makes sure that we behave with integrity in the world. We have Chelsea, who produces the women of Harry Potter. And we have Ariana, who makes sure that every episode, every live show, everything we put out into the world is done to the highest possible standard. We make sure that we pay all of them a living wage. We are trying to be the change we want to see in the world. We are trying to only use fair trade merchandise products to give health care to all of our employees and pay time off. We are trying to save in order to plant a tree for every flight that we take. And we cannot be the company that every company should be without your support. With 70,000 listeners and 1,300 supporters on Patreon, that means that 2% of you support us on Patreon, and we are so grateful for your support. But we want to make it 3% of our listeners who support us on Patreon, which would mean 2,100 supporters. For $1 a month, you get an extra few minutes of bloopers. That's $1 a month for the feeling of being in the top 3% of our listeners. That level of success would even make Hermione happy. So join us. Be part of the top 3%. Join Casper and me in that room that gets more and more filled the more of you show up. We are so grateful that you are part of this community. I'd have sat in that room with Casper alone gladly, but I love having you here. Chapter 4. The Keeper of the Keys. Boom! They knocked again. Dudley jerked awake. Where's the cannon? He said stupidly. There was a crash behind them, and Uncle Vernon came skidding into the room. He was holding a rifle in his hand. I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And I'm Casper Terkyle. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Before we jump into this week's episode, we want to say a big thank you for those of you who have listened, subscribed, and reviewed the podcast, especially to AVC123, Desert Polar Bear, and Ciara720, all of whom reviewed the podcast on iTunes. We are so grateful. We're also looking to find someone to help with social media. So if you are a wizard at Tumblr, Twitter, and Facebook, we'd love to hear from you. Go to harrypottersacredtext.com where you'll find a short application to work with us. And now, on with the show. Last month, I got married to my husband, Sean. And the day after our wedding, we hosted a brunch for family and friends from out of town. And my uncle, who lives in Holland, I grew up in England, who, you know, I love very much as an uncle, but don't really have a, a close relationship with, came up to me and said, you know, can I say something? And I was like, oh, okay, sure. And in the middle of the brunch, he, he stood up and kind of gave an impromptu speech where he gave us a beautiful gift. And he said some wonderful things about wanting to take this moment as an opportunity to really get to know his nephew better and his nephew's new husband. But because he'd just been talking to Sean about the tie that he was wearing, which has our family crest on it, in the middle of his speech, he suddenly kind of realized that he was wearing this tie and took it off and said, 
that this was a gift he wanted to give to Sean in addition to the generous gift he'd already given because he wanted to welcome Sean into the family in a physical way and tied the tie around Sean's neck. And it was just such a, you know, weddings are wonderful. We all know that. But what I hadn't expected was that by offering people a chance to come together and being generous in, in that invitation, that it unleashes all sorts of unexpected generosity. Moments like a wedding day, celebrations, moments of reconnection are opportunities for unusual and extravagant, generous connection. And it's something I think we really see in this chapter where Hagrid shows up, who, you know, goes way beyond the call of duty to welcome Harry into the wizarding world with acts of generosity that help Harry transition from this ordinary world into this different life, which he will forever be changed by. And that's the theme we will be reading toward this week, generosity. But before we do, it is time for this week's 30-second recap competition. Let me just turn to our official scorekeeper, Casper. Casper, who has won in last week's competition? Well, it was clearly rigged. So I think you won, but only on a technicality, which is that no one <laughs> That else. I got more votes? That is Doesn't count. technically correct. I think you cheated. I voted for myself twice, and you must have just voted for yourself nine times. I literally did not vote for myself I have more important things to do. You have a larger family. Your family love you more. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that. Fine. Look, some people feel bad for you now and are going to vote for you out of pity. I have a sympathy vote, please, everyone. (laughs) Go to harrypottersacredtext.com and vote for me. So this week's 30-second recap, you go first, my friend. I'm so ready. Okay. Three, two, one. Boom, there's a sound at the door, and in walks Hagrid. And um, Vernon has a gun, but Hagrid just ties it in a knot and puts it away and says, give me a cup of tea. And then um, proceeds to sit down and make sausages and make fun of the Dursleys and then tells Harry, you're a wizard, Harry. And everyone is like, oh my God, no, don't tell him. Um, And as Hagrid tells the story, he realizes that Harry doesn't know anything and tells him that his parents didn't die in a car crash, but they were killed by Voldemort and that there was an evil wizard and that he's a wizard and he's got skills. And then um... I really do think that this is a style thing. I think that your details are greatly appreciated by you. (laughs) That's great. Okay, well, bring it on with the style of like plot devices, but not interesting detail. In my 30 second recap. Okay. Three, two, one, go. It's the night before Harry is turning 11. It strikes midnight. It's Harry's birthday. And the Dursleys in here on an island in the middle of nowhere. And there's a storm. And Hagrid shows up. And Hagrid tells Harry, you're a wizard. Your parents were amazing wizards. And they were killed by an evil wizard. And his name is Voldemort. And the Dursleys are like, no, shut up. Don't tell him anything. And Harry's like, what? And then it's Harry's birthday. How is this hard for you? This is like such an easy thing. You still have five seconds. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like that's all anyone needs. Yeah, but like what about the cake? (laughs) He brings him a cake. I got smug, though. I think that people are going to not vote. People are not going to like that. No. They're going to vote for me because I'm so English. I'm sorry. I don't understand the rules. (laughs) Please, sir. Can I have some more time to finish with all my details? Well, Vanessa, since you're being so ungenerous with me, why don't you ask me about generosity in this chapter? Casper, why don't we start with the most obvious character the obvious plot thing in this chapter the giant in the room (laughs) yes um hagrid i mean i think that one of the top five attributes that anybody would describe hagrid as it's generous but where do you see generosity with hagrid in this chapter 
I mean, it's throughout the chapter. Obviously, when he arrives, he brings a birthday cake. Like, Harry has never even been told happy birthday, probably. And here comes someone with a birthday cake for him, with his name on it. And it's only a little smushed. It's only a little smushed. And he had a big trip, so he obviously took some care. I mean, he is getting sausages ready. He is lighting a fire to warm him up. He is protecting him from physical violence. He is sharing information about Harry's story, his parents, his background, stuff that Harry's never heard of before. And he's giving Harry a new identity as a wizard. So this is just like gift after gift after gift in 10 pages. The sausage is really interesting to me because it's also one of the first times that Harry gets seen by an adult an adult sees Harry, sees his needs, and addresses his needs. Because he looks so skinny. Yeah, he's like, you are skinny. I will literally cook a sausage to fatten you up in the next five seconds. And it's a very, like, adult child thing to do, right? Like, you see a kid with a runny nose and you want to wipe it. Whereas the Dursleys, they would just, like, yell at him for being disgusting. So it's the first time that we're seeing this adult figure come into Harry's life and do so in such a generous way. I agree, but I think there's also an element of raising up Harry as an adult, you know, seeing him as an equal, because he is sharing a lot of information here, which, you know, he realizes I shouldn't be the person to be doing this. But if I don't do it, who's going to do it for you? And you're about to see a whole bunch of things that you need to be prepared for. So I'm going to treat you like an adult and give you information that will help you navigate this new situation. He is not afraid to say, I mean, he is afraid and yet he still says the word Voldemort, which I think is very important as we see how much that word means to say it out loud. Hagrid is willing to give Harry that gift and to give him the respect to say that name out loud. I don't know. What do you think? I absolutely agree. I want us to come back to Hagrid, but it just reminded me of, you know, the fact that Hagrid is there at all. I'm curious and I I always want to make sure that we're not getting into a fan fiction world. But we know that Dumbledore sent Hagrid on this trip to get Harry. I mean, Dumbledore could have sent someone to literally just lay down the law. But instead, he sends this, like, loving, lovely man who was there the night of the trauma with Harry, who can tell him these stories from a personal point of view, who has the patience to go to Diagon Alley with him, who's going to celebrate Harry's birthday with him, right? Like, this could have gone a whole bunch of different ways. And I just think that there was a strategy and real generosity and thoughtfulness in Dumbledore sending Hagrid. Or he's just cost-saving. He's like, you need to pick up that Philosopher's Stone. Pick up Harry on the way. You know, two for one. (laughs) No, fair enough. Dumbledore's like a slimy operator. He's like, like, let me hire this expelled third-year student as a gamekeeper because I'm not willing to pay a unionized gamekeeper with qualifications. (laughs) It strikes me, Vanessa, that the title of the chapter, The Keeper of the Keys, is Hagrid's job title. And throughout the series there are going to be so many secrets that are unlocked and that's definitely something we're learning here we're learning a lot of of information that that Hagrid is unlocking for Harry but more than that there is something about that role of revealing new information of of helping Harry kind of cross from one state of being into the next which I think is also reflected in the place of where this chapter happens you know they're on this island physically away from the mainland it's a sort of liminal space an in-between space between one normal world and the next and so it feels like Hagrid's job in this chapter and perhaps as we go forward is to help cross those boundaries into Diagon Alley into Hogwarts as he leads the first years you know he's always unlocking literally new places for Harry to go I love that 
And I think Keeper of the Keys, I mean, regardless of whether or not Dumbledore was doing it to save money on non-unionized workers, what a great symbol of what to do to someone who's been expelled is to say, you were expelled, you messed up, here are the keys to the castle, literally. I just think that that's a brilliant PR move for what it is that Dumbledore stands for. Great man, Dumbledore. Great man, Dumbledore, exactly. Your Hagrid is pretty on point. You're a wizard, Vanessa. <laughs> you think he would pronounce my name Vanessa? Yeah, he's from the he's from the West Country. <laughs> he doesn't know how to spell it, but that's how you say it. The ways in which Hagrid is generous are plentiful, and they are really inspiring and heartwarming, and it's, you know, why people love Hagrid so much. But what's really interesting to me is the way that Hagrid is ungenerous in this chapter. He is, first of all, he's incredibly ungenerous to Dudley, for example. Hagrid pulls out sausages from his coat that he can cook. Dudley gets excited. Vernon immediately yells, don't eat anything that Hagrid can cook for you. But Dudley, although Dudley is overweight, Dudley hasn't really eaten much in the last couple of days. He's hungry. Yeah, he's hungry. And Hagrid is like, not that he needs to eat anyway, right? He's mocking this strange kid for being fat. And in some ways, he really upholds this very problematic view of wizarding bloodline being connected to your wizarding abilities. You know, Harry says, I'm a what? Gasped Harry. A wizard, of course, said Hagrid, sitting back down on the sofa, which groaned and sank lower than ever. And a thumping gooden, I'd say, once you've been trained up a bit. What, with a mum and dad like yours, what else could you be? Yeah, Hagrid seems to have bought into this oppressive line of your parents were great, you'll be great too. We also see Hagrid very ungenerously use the word muggle, which we find out is a non-wizarding human, as a slur word, right? He says, a muggle, it's what we call non-magic folk like them. And it's your bad luck you grew up in a family of the biggest muggles I ever laid eyes on. And it's like, well, you know, Harry's grandparents were muggles, and we're going to find out Hermione's parents are muggles, and we're we're not supposed to be you know, casting nasty looks upon these people. Definitely. And at the same time, I think there is something about, you know, there aren't any bigger muggles than these that has something to do with the Dursley's unwillingness to engage in the imagination or to accept the magical world, you know, which is why the magical world has had to hide itself. So maybe we're being too unfair. And the Dursleys really are the biggest muggles in the world. I, I've really enjoyed over the last couple of chapters empathizing with the Dursleys and seeing the real humanity in them. But this chapter, it's getting harder and harder to defend them in my heart. I mean, we hear Aunt Petunia, right, just a few lines later. Harry says, you knew I was a wizard? And she says, knew, of course we knew. How could you not be my dratted sister being what she was? Then she says, I was the only one who saw her for what she was, a freak. I, you know, I'm still on the Dursley train. Okay. I I know that we're seeing the rough end now and, and it's really becoming clear. You know, he's, Vernon has bought a gun. Like, we're pretty serious here. And at the same time, he is still protecting her. He keeps plucking up the courage to speak against this, like, terrifying man who has just broken into their house to try and protect Petunia's sanity. I think he's worried that she is going to completely lose it as soon as this reality is revealed. So, understandably, you know, we, we can't forgive a lot of what is happening here, but I can understand why it's happening. Yeah, I wonder, you know, we got this amazing 
Facebook message from somebody who was worried that we were defending child abusers. And I wonder, you know, there's understanding the cycle of abuse and understanding that, you know, victims become perpetrators and being curious as to what the points of intervention can possibly be. And then where where do you draw the line and just sort of lay down judgment? And I think one of the gifts of what we're doing is that we are assessing fictional characters. So we are not, you know, being arbiters of justice on a, an actual child who's impacted with wounds on their body. But I, I guess I just want to own that we're walking a very fine line, that there is empathizing with people who do terrible things, but then making sure that at the end of the day, we absolutely do not condone their behavior, certainly. Um, And whether or not we ever want to go to that extra step of condemning them as people, I think it's a little bit more complicated. And this conversation is going to come up again and again as we meet, you know, Professor Snape. But I just think that this is an important moment to say that they are walking a line here. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Quip. Harry Potter and the Sacred Text listeners, I don't want to scare you, but three members of the Not Sorry Productions team have recently lost a tooth. Now, none of this was because of bad brushing. It was because of accidents that happened. But I am concerned about people who love Harry Potter and their teeth. Quip's electric toothbrush can help you in your routine of keeping your teeth healthy and sparkling clean. The mirror mount for your Quip toothbrush puts brushing front and center in your bathroom, so you'll remember to bookend the day using your new brush. The built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and help you clean your whole mouth makes sure that you brush for the entire two minutes. The multi-use cover is amazing, it works as a stand, and also helps with sanitary reasons. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule of every three months for just $5. A friendly reminder as to when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. Please, this is a public service announcement from somebody who has all of her teeth and who loves a lot of people who have recently lost one tooth. Brush your teeth. Quip makes it easy and fun to brush your teeth, and that is why I love Quip and why it's perfect for getting back into a routine after the summer. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Harry Potter right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Harry Potter. My brother and sister-in-law have a fig tree, and it makes me sad because I live 3,000 miles away from the fig tree, And I love figs. I think they are like proof of a higher being. Now I resent them less because due to Fleur's amazing Hanami scent, I get to smell like the fig tree. They make stunning non-toxic perfumes and they list all of their ingredients online. You get a good scent made with clean ingredients. And the sample process is just good old fun. Here at Harry Potter and Sacred Text, we actually got to put together our own floor sample set filled with our favorite scents. So if you're not sure where to start, make sure that you check that out. And definitely try to smell like my brother and sister-in-law's fig tree with the Hanami scent. Then when I meet you, I'll love you more because you'll smell like home. 
Go to Fleur.com slash Harry Potter today to check out our curated sample set and get 20% off of your first custom Fleur sample set. That's P-H-L-U-R dot com slash Harry Potter to get your first three Fleur fragrance samples at 20% off. Fleur.com slash Harry Potter. Let's take a closer look at the text through our practice of Lectio Divina, sacred reading, where we choose a passage at random from this chapter and try and engage the text in four different levels. So I'm going to find, let's see, dun, 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 dun. how about this? Harry had gone very white. As soon as he found his voice, he said, blown up. You told me that they died in a car crash. Can you read it one more time, please? Harry had gone very white. As soon as he found his voice, he said, Blown up? You told me they died in a car crash. So, wow, that's a that's a real... I'm excited that we have this passage. Um, so this is right in the middle of The Keeper of the Keys, Chapter 4. What's happening at a literal level here, Vanessa? What, what, where are we in the story? So this is when Harry finds out that his parents did not die in a car crash, but actually died in a violent way, in a wizard way. Um, He doesn't have the details yet. And he is, there's sort of a triangular thing happening. He is receiving the information from Hagrid and then turning to Petunia and Vernon and saying, you lied to me about this incredibly important piece of information about my parents. Is there anything I'm missing about the literal level you want to mention? Yeah, this happens just after Petunia kind of releases this torrent of hate and, and anger. And and he knows that these people haven't loved him the way they should have. But this is finally an explanation of what has been hidden beneath the surface of resentment and anger all of these years. He is realizing that the life he's been living, he knew it was not right. But now he knows that it has been a lie. So step two of Lectio Divina is allegory. Casper, what allegorically, what words, what symbols really jump out at you? I love that it says, as soon as he found his voice. You know, I think there's so much in that, in in that this is really a moment where Harry transitions from being generally a quiet victim who sees no way out of the situation which he's in to here is a moment of agency. Harry starts asking questions and finding information to re- recreate his identity in some way and that it really marks a new start an opportunity for harry to be the author of his fate well and so blown up is a really interesting thing i mean first of all his world has just been blown up by this information but also it's interesting that the thing that prompts this outburst is finding out the way that his parents died And on some material level, it doesn't matter. His parents are dead. He has spent the last 11 years of his life or the last 10 years of his life with the Dursleys. But the fact that they didn't die in a car crash, but instead by being blown up, you know, there's the understanding that they died as warriors. They died in a a way that implies agency. So there's this whole other context put upon how they died that reconfigures his entire understanding of where he comes from and why he's in the situation that he's in. He's not in the situation by an accident of fate. A drunk driver didn't come and just change his whole life. Instead, it was the very nature of who his parents were and the fact that they were fighters and that they were out in this world trying to do things that put him in this position, which reframes his whole sense of identity. 
The third stage of Lectio Divina is to explore how this text may speak to our own life. So what, what does this remind us of from our own experience? Is there something that stands out for you, Vanessa? This speaks to me very strongly. My biggest fear in the world, you know, that doesn't have to do with sort of physical harm is of feeling stupid. I don't like the feeling of being taken for a fool. I don't like the idea that other people see things that I don't. I think, you know, those moments are so terrifying. You know, a friend who you hear talking about you behind your back and it's, do all my friends talk about me behind my back? Does no one really love me? I just can't imagine the level of desperation that might be behind this for Harry. Um, And certainly any moment like that for me where suddenly the world gets revealed is more duplicitous or, you know, sadder or scarier than I thought. It terrifies me. It really can shake me to my core. What about for you, Casper? I'm surprised at how quickly Harry is willing to accept this new information. Why should he trust this stranger who is, you know, abnormally sized, who is kind of terrorizing them in some way to 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 recreate his entire world? So I'm I'm really impressed at how easily Harry is open to new information. And I think sometimes I'm unwilling to engage with truth that is revealed, um, especially if it if it does shake foundations for me, just as you were saying, and particularly when it's about people that I love. Sometimes you learn things that aren't actually good news. It's a less pleasant side of a story that you learn about someone you love, and that, that's difficult to accept. So I'm impressed that Harry is, is able to do that, um, something I think I, I may need to be better at. So step four is what do you feel called to from this passage, from contemplating this passage? Casper, is there anything that this passage calls you to? So I was sharing that I got married last month and had my family here, and Sometimes I realize how little I know about the story of my parents. You know, there'll be things that come out where I'm like, I didn't know that that happened when you owned a floristry shop. You know, I didn't know that that was your first job in London. And I think there's so much of our parents' stories that we just think they'll be around forever. And if I ever have questions, I'll ask them. But here Harry has questions and they're not around. And so I think that's something I want to be really conscious of is, learning learning as much as I can about where my family is from and who these people were and what their experience was like in questions that I'm sitting with at my place in life right now. How about you, Vanessa? First of all, I think that that's really beautiful. I think the thing I feel called to is stopping myself from spiraling um, when I get information. When I get new information about someone, I will suddenly read it on to every interaction. I called my mom in a complete panic. This was two or three years ago that I was definitely not going to graduate from divinity school because I had gotten a poor grade on one Spanish quiz. And I was like, you don't understand. I'm not going to get the B that I need in order to pass this class, which means I still had a full semester left, which means that I won't get into the Spanish class that I need next semester, which means I'll lose my funding to have to finish the degree. So the last three years of my life have been a mistake. I'm not going to get my degree and I'm going to be unemployable for the rest of my life. From one Spanish test. From one Spanish quiz, to which my mother said, sweetie, why don't you go take a nap and see if that feels true after? And that's kind of what happens with Harry at the end of this chapter. He's like, let me take a nap under this coat and then we'll see how we go next time. (laughs) So it's time to give our beloved characters a blessing to take with them as we leave this chapter. And 
we love to give people blessings because it's a way of giving them something that maybe they need in this moment in the story, uh, mm-hmm. something that maybe we all need. Um, so, Vanessa, who will you be blessing today and why? I sadly have to bless Petunia again because um, she's the only woman on the page. And not only is she the only woman in this chapter, but she is just being ignored and silenced, minus this sort of one outburst, which really, like, cuts deep for a lot of reasons. So I want to offer a blessing for silenced women, for women who get interrupted in meetings, for women who have to bite their tongues. Yesterday, I was at the RMV and the guy who, you know, was getting me my license was just lecturing me about all this like incredibly private information on your ID. And he made a point of lecturing me about every single thing on my ID. And I just, you know, I couldn't say anything. It's the RMV. You want to get out of there as quickly as possible. I had to get out of there and get back to work. It just reminded me of all of the times in my life and I'm in such a position of power, but all the times in my life in which a man will just be silencing me and so I would like to offer a blessing for silenced women. What about you, Casper? Who would you like to offer a blessing for? I'm going to bless Hagrid to bring a birthday cake in a pocket over such distance and to make it a personal trip to think of that, to get it decorated. I don't know. There's such generosity and love in that. And it's so simple, but it means so much to Harry. So I give a blessing to to Hagrid and everyone who goes out of their way to demonstrate the love and care that they have for others. Um, You know, we have that choice every day of whether to do that or not. And Hagrid has chosen to do it. And so uh, he gets a blessing for that. This has been episode four of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. This episode was produced by me, Vanessa Zoltan, Casper Turkile slash Hagrid, and Ariana Nettleman. If you have any thoughts or a different sacred reading of today's chapter, we want to hear from you. Please use your phone's voice recorder and send us a sound file in an email or type at us the old-fashioned way, Text at gmail.com, or use the contact box on harrypottersacredtext.com. Also on the website, you can vote for today's winner of the 30-second challenge. Find program notes about today's episode and learn more about the art of sacred reading. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud to catch each new episode. And if you're feeling generous, we would love to have your review. A massive thank you to our Kickstarter supporter of the week, Alison Klein, Ivan Pizzo and Nick Boll for music, Rebecca and Charlie Ledley, Lauren Taylor, Shane Bannon, and Rufus for their support, the Harvard Communications Office team, the Humanist Hub in Harvard Square, and our wonderful Harry Potter and the Sacred Text reading group. Well, the first thing I want to say is that statistically, car crash deaths have gone down very, very much over the last 20 years. So really, Harry should have been thinking about the impact of seatbelt laws. Ariana's not impressed. Oh, my God. Isn't Ariana the worst? I don't even like her. Hi, it's Joseph Fink. My friend Jeffrey and I created Welcome to Night Vale back in 2012. Normally, we're the ones turning our ideas into writing. But for our brand new show, Start With This, it's you who will do the creating. On each episode, we'll talk about a topic of the creative process. Then we will give you two short assignments, something to consume and something to create. You can share your work on our membership forum to see what other people are up to. We want you to start creating one simple assignment at a time, because the best way to start writing is to start writing. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.